we're starting a new series uh, called Family Goals. Family Goals. And uh, I just want to give like a little, little pastor pep talk before we jump into this, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about some really sensitive uh, things over the next couple weeks as we talk about the family. And when you talk about the family, people's like guard gets up because either you've had a disappointment or maybe you have a regret or maybe you know someone that's walking through something or you're in a marriage and you're walk, working things out or you have a kid that's going crazy. Everyone's affected by family. And so I, I want you to know this. We are going to talk about some sensitive things, and this is what I'd like to ask, okay? I'd like to ask for you to just allow the walls of your heart to just drop a little bit. Everybody has their own perspective about parenting and raising kids and marriage and what to do and what not to do. Can we just all, whether you're an expert or a novice, can we just all just lower our walls to just receive whatever the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us? I, I was, I was uh, speaking at a church a couple months ago, and I was it was a small little city, and I was speaking there, and I was trying to find a gym to work out in, and, and the hotel, their gym was, like, really bad, and, and so I was trying to find another gym, and so I found a Planet Fitness, I think is what it's called. They paint the walls purple, you know what I'm talking about, Planet Fitness, and so I go in there, and they have all these sayings on the walls. I'm, I'm like, I'm never going back to a Planet Fitness again. I went to Planet Fitness, and it made me not want to be fit. That's what happened in Planet Fitness. I went in, and they got stuff on the walls like, like only losers grunt when they're lifting weights. You know? They're like, free, pizzas on, free, free pizza on Wednesdays. Like, You're going to feed me donuts while I'm on the treadmill? They're just like, here's another one, buddy. It's like, I might as well stay on my recliner. All right? Like, like this is, and then this, this, is, this is a good one, but, but they say this. It's a judgment-free zone. No competition here, man. Just you're running slow, I'll run slower to go right beside you. It's judge, judgment-free. Judgment-free. You're sweating. Slow down. Slow down. Hey, it's a judgment-free zone. But I'm just going to make an agreement with you for this series. Can we just say that the church is going to be a judgment-free zone? This is judgment-free zone. Whether you're doing good, whether you're doing bad, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're a son, whether you're a dad, can we just make this a judgment-free zone for the next couple weeks? It really should be how the church should be all the time, but we're just going to really focus on this is a judgment-free zone. And to talk about this, Joshua chapter 24. Joshua 24, verse 14, it says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves. I'm just going to say, I'm not that old, but I've learned that whenever I choose for myself, it's usually not too good. He says, choose for yourselves. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. This is what Joshua says. Maybe you've heard this before or seen it on Pinterest. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is an act of will. This is not something that happens accidentally. This is something that you decide to do. You make a decision, I will serve the Lord. You don't serve the Lord because you're born in Texas. You don't serve the Lord because you're in a church on Sunday morning. You serve the Lord because you've made a cognitive decision with your mind and with your heart to say, I will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
Your, your family goals do not start. This is how we're going to start. Family goals. Your family goals do not start with anyone else. They start with you. I think the problem is when you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We think about the people in our house who are not. And I want to I help you with family goals by saying the first person that you have to lead is you have to lead yourself. Now, you all know, like, I, I get a little passionate about the Word of God, and I like to preach, but I'm going to try to really, like, contain myself, uh, and, and I'm going to tell you why. I really, I'm going to do my best to teach you how to have a godly family. I'm, I'm going to preach, too. That just happens. But I want, I want to just slow this down, and I want to just talk to you like a pastor for a couple moments, and I want to talk about how to have a godly family. I'm going to tell you this, the first step, whether you're a son, a daughter, whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, whether you're divorced, whether you're separated, whether you're married, is to start with you. As for me, I will serve the Lord. Joshua was willing to draw a line in the sand because he said, you choose whatever you want to choose, but as for me, do you know that if you're going to serve God in our culture in 2022, there are going to be some people that don't agree with you. you, you, you are, you're going to have to just get used to the fact that you're going to have to leave some people behind because your beliefs are not going to be popular, not going to be culturally acceptable or politically correct. And so you're going to just have to make a decision. If nobody goes with me, I'm good. Because I've made my decision, I will serve the Lord. So if your family isn't serving the Lord, you make a decision, you will serve the Lord. To the young people in the room, you make a decision, you will serve. If I had a dad that, no, stop. You make a decision that you will serve the Lord. And watch what God does. The English uh, language uses a future tense in this passage of Scripture. But the Hebrew tense has a fuller meaning. It says this. It expresses continuous action. It involves the future but it also can point to the past. Joshua was undoubtedly affirming, this is what he would have said, the, the correct Hebrew translation should have said this, I have chosen and I will choose. This is how you start. This is how you begin in your journey, in your family. I have chosen, I continue to make this decision, and I will continue to choose. You know, family, family is God's idea. Family wasn't our idea. Family wasn't something we thought up or concocted. Family was originated in the heart of God. And family can be messy. How many know that? Family can, family can be, some people are like, yeah, that's, that's me, pastor. That's, that's me. Family can be messy. I was reading about the family this last week, and I read this. It says, this guy was saying, the other night I ate at a real nice family restaurant. Every table had an argument going. Like, <laughs> Real nice family restaurant, just felt right at home. Yeah, I, I remember when um, Jamie and I, we were first, we were first married, and, and it was, we're a family, but you really become a family when you have kids. You know, that's like when it feels like, okay, this, this, is, this is real. Like, now we, got, we have to care for another human, and, and uh, that's, that's, that's intense. And I, I remember when... Um, we're in the hospital, and, and uh, Jude, my firstborn son, he was breached, and so Jamie had to have a C-section, so we're in the hospital, and I'm like nervously waiting, and they make you, you know, put on scrubs and all that, and so I was like doing fashion design in the other room. I was like designing my scrubs. I came in, the doctor, she was like, I've never seen someone look so good in scrubs. I'm like, yeah, you got that right. You've been sticking me in that room. I'm nervous. I don't know what to do, and so we just, we had this procedure, right? Out comes Jude. 
We're in the hospital, and then they send you home. And we're a family now. We have a kid. Some of y'all look at me like I'm crazy. Well, we didn't know what to do, okay? We were a little uncomfortable. We were like, should we just take him, we just take him home? Do we have a nurse going with us? Like, what, when, do we, when do we sleep? When do we, when, do we feed him? Do we, like, no one told us anything. They just give you the kid and you drive. I have never drove more carefully than I did on that drive home from the hospital. Jamie loved it. She was like looking at me like, oh, baby, if you drove like this all the time, I'd be like, it all was almost convincing. But I've since reverted back to other ways. I used to see like how strong speed bumps were, you know, like see what kind of air you could get. On that day, that speed bump, I just like roll to the top and roll down. It's like I didn't want to like mess up the baby, right? I mean, it's just crazy. You're a family now. You, you just... You're a family. I, I, I know there's different opinions on this, so I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I like to sleep. And so I planned out the first eight weeks of Jude's existence on a whiteboard. I pull it down like, Jamie, here is display one. This is how we will sleep. She's like, that's intense. I'm like, do you like to sleep? She said, yes. I said, then this is what we do. I was like, man, there, there, is, no, there is no two-week-old telling me, like, when they need to sleep and when they need to eat. Two weeks old, we're going to let him decide the whole house? No, I'm the father of this home, and as for me and my house, we sleep at night. <laughs> Six weeks old, Jude's sleeping through the night, and I'm like, that's right, that's right, Jamie, that's right. And then we had Genesis, and he had a different personality, but we're just going to talk about the winds today, okay? We're just going to talk about, we're going to talk about... The whiz. I, I remember uh, our first airplane ride. With, you ever you remember your first airplane ride with a baby? Um, so, like, we, we travel a lot, and so Jude and Jim both have been on a lot of airplanes. But the first one was I, I really understood sowing and reaping. Because I used to be the guy, and we used to be the couple that was like, oh, no, here comes a couple with a kid. Like, act like you're asleep. And, like, flop on the, you know, it's like, this seat's taken. You don't want to come here. Start drooling, you know. 2020, just start coughing. You know, like, you do not want to be here. And then now we got the kid. And we're like looking for a, a seat, you know, like, hey, he's really good. He starts to cry. And I'm not worried about why he's crying. I'm just worried about being embarrassed. I'm like, be quiet, 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 Jude. People are looking. People are looking. They're going to hate us. We have three hours left. Be, please be quiet. It, it, it's, family's messy. Family, no, nobody has it figured out. You know what, the people that want to give you advice usually are not doing so well themselves, which is a little odd to me. Their, their kids can be running crazy, and then you didn't do things the way they did, and they're like, could we please talk to you about some advice that we, no, it didn't work for you, and I have no time to hear how you ruined them. I, I just, I like, I'm going, so, I'm doing, tell, tell me, I'll do the opposite. I'm, I'm just going to do, can I get, can I help everybody? Judgment-free zone. Nobody's got it figured out. Nobody, we do our best. We do our best, but nobody, nobody has this thing figured out. I think one of the problems is that for most of us, we, 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 we run after the wrong target. Family goals, I think we have the wrong goal. I think we think like having a successful kid is the goal. Or having a popular kid is the goal. We'll invest thousands and thousands of dollars in sports. I'm guilty. Okay, so just before you get mad, I'm guilty. And like, I mean, Jamie and I, like, we're like a combined 5'11 and a half, like together. 
like there are some there are some biological disadvantages that my kids have. We're like, oh, you're it. You're next. You know what would be more important than my kid trying to get a scholarship? Is if he's godly. Maybe we've invested too much of our energy and effort and even money into things that actually won't matter as much in the long run. Our goal is not just to be a successful family, but to be a godly one. We need godly families. We need godly families. No one achieves a goal because they have one. You achieve a goal because you put in the work in the process to get to the goal. People say, well, I want my kid to sleep through the night. Well, you're going to have to do some work. There is a process to get to the prize. I want the prize. That's Gen Z right there. I want the prize, but I don't want to work for it. No, I want the paycheck, but I don't want to go to work. What? My grandpa would be rolling in his grave. You want a paycheck, but you, you deserve a paycheck? Are you kidding me? That would be the wrong thing. My grandma would probably come back to life <laughs> and discipline me old-fashioned. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Like, are you kidding? I don't deserve anything. i got to work for things. People want goals, but they don't want to take the steps to achieve them. In this series, we're going to talk about these family goals, but this is what I want to do. I want to start with the foundation. Because if you don't get the foundation right, you, will, you don't have a chance at anything else. It is a lottery draw to see if you're going to have a godly family if you don't have the right foundation. So I'm going to start with the biggest priorities, and then we'll just start talking about some of the practical things as we go. A godly family has to have a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview. You know, if you put on blue lens sunglasses, everything you look at is blue. Yellow, everything you look at is yellow. Because you're looking through the lens that now distorts or portrays a view of an image. A biblical worldview is putting a lens on your life that is the Word of God. That everything you look at, you look through. So, so... TikTok is a bad lens. YouTube is a bad lens. Blogs of people who've been hurt in the church is a bad lens. Okay, the right lens is the biblical worldview. That when I look through his word at my behavior, that's how I decide how I should act. When I look through his lens at marriage, that's how I define what marriage is. When I look through his lens, I have to, it's not what the church says. It's not what my pastor says. It's not what my grandpappy said. It, it's what the Bible says. It is a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview can be defined as believing that absolute moral truths exist. That such truth is defined by the Bible and firm belief in it. We, we, we have... We believe a person exhibits a biblical worldview when their beliefs and their actions are aligned with the Bible, acknowledging its truth and applicability to every area of life. Some of you argue in your family about things, and you're arguing different points of view, and no one is looking through a biblical lens. How are you ever going to agree if you don't have a true north or a foundation on which you lean on. At the end of the day, friends, what the Bible says is true, 
is what you have to lay on, lean on, and rely on, and that will settle how we live and how we behave. It gives us the code of conduct in how to have a godly family. If you're trying to have a godly family and you don't have a biblical worldview, you are sunk. You can strive and you can work. And you can argue, and you can try to choose what's best, and you can read all the blogs and the books you want. But if you don't got a biblical worldview, you will never be able to step into the authority and area of influence that you want to have in your family. There's, there's a graphic. I, I, put a, I got a graphic for you to kind of show you this because I want, I want you to see this. It's a big arrow. It says you are here. I want you to be there. I don't know if you are there. I want you, I want you to be right here, which is this would represent a biblical worldview. That means I am putting on the lens of the word of God and I'm looking at everything. I'm looking at culture through the biblical lens. I'm looking at my behavior through the biblical lens. I'm, I'm looking. Then what I see as my worldview now establishes my beliefs. So my beliefs are not coming out of something I need or something I want. My beliefs are coming out of what I see as real from my biblical worldview, which tells me what is true. It's what I believe. My beliefs then fuel my values. So you can't just decide, I'm going to value this. Why, why do you value it? My values have to be tied to my beliefs, which is tied to my biblical worldview. The biblical worldview is what gives power to my beliefs and power to my values, and then that's what I do. So I should be able to look at your life and what you do and tell what you value, what you believe, and what lens you're looking through. When you're, when you're living for God, someone shouldn't be able to just look at you and be like, oh, you're one of those Christians. Like what kind of Christians? Like a Bible Christian? Like, a, like oh, you're old-fashioned. No, it's called biblical. A biblical worldview. We don't got to beat each other up with our biblical worldview. We've got to look through our biblical worldview. To have this worldview means that our standard for morality comes from the Bible. And when we look at the world or behavior or decisions, we view them through this biblical lens. Can I tell you this? I don't forgive because I feel like forgiving. I wake up and be like, man, I just want to forgive somebody. I wish somebody would just offend me so I can just forgive. I, I've, never, I've never felt that. I forgive because the Bible teaches me to forgive. I don't tithe. I don't give my hard-earned money away because it just sounds good or I have so much to spare. I tithe because I believe in the biblical principle of tithing. My, my lens says this is the right way for me to live and to act. I, I, I don't live morally because it's the easiest thing to do. I live morally because my code of conduct comes through the lens of the Word of God. Oh, so the church is telling you not to do, no, 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 the Bible. Can we just take the church out of it and just say, no, the Bible, which is for your good, which is to give you the family that you want, which is to help you reach the goal of a godly family. I've got to start with a biblical worldview. Now, let's shake it down. Biblical worldview, our foundation. Secondly, it's a commitment to the local church. Wait, I thought we were talking about a godly family. We are. A commitment to the local church. Your choice to serve the Lord needs to be accompanied by a commitment to a local 
church. I grew up in the church. I was almost born in the church. Like literally, I think I was six days old. Um, my mom actually left youth service. I just had a birthday, and she just reminded me. On my birthday, she let me know, like, I was going into labor about right now. I'm like, Mom, it's my birthday. She's like, I was at youth service. I was started having contractions. She was in church, literally starting to have contractions. And I'm like, okay, are you going to give me a present, or, like, are we going to? I'm not interested in my birth story. Like, I just, it's been a long time. I'm doing all right. I like life on the outside. I grew up in church. I mean, we went to church. The only way you didn't, actually, you, there was no way to not go to church. When, if you were sick, you were throwing up, hey, Dawson, can you just clean yourself up? And, and uh, are we, am I still going to church? I think I have a fever. Okay, why don't you just sit in dad's office and put your ear to the door so you can still hear the message? What about a bed? What about chicken noodle soup? Like, no, we'll go, we go to church. But can I tell you something? Not one time in my entire life have I ever, not one time, have I ever woke up on a Sunday morning and thought, are we going to church or not? I've never, it's never been an option, it's never been a thought, we go to church. I know, you know what's interesting is, is that your, your kids, if they're waking up and asking you, and, I, and this, is, this is where I want to be gentle, okay, so I'm not trying to get too much in your business, but you're here, so just be happy about that. There's a lot of people that are not watching online, and they're feeling like, man, we should have came. I knew we should have came. If your kids are asking you, are we going to church today, you have to rearrange your priorities. I'm not trying to get in your business. I'm just saying if you want a godly family and your church are asking if, your, your kids are asking if we're going to church, then you have to rearrange your priorities. Because last time I checked, they didn't wake up and ask if they were still going to their soccer game. Dad, am I playing in my football game today? Oh, three days before. You got the Theragun on there. They're five years old. You're probably doing damage. You're, you're, you're like electrolytes. I mean, you got an IV running, and it's like, it, it, it's, it's soccer. He's eight. I may be talking about myself, but whatever. <laughs> but your kids don't ask, am I going to practice, Dad? Why? Because you better, make, you better believe it. We will, we'll fly back from vacation early to make sure you don't miss your game. And then, then churches, churches what? Maybe our goal is wrong. Maybe, we, maybe we, we want to live vicariously through a kid instead of actually raise a world changer. Maybe we're too concerned with the chance of a, of a partial scholarship to a community college, which is nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with that, than we are a man of God or a woman of God that has integrity and knows God. My closest friends were church friends. My fondest memories were church events. My knowledge of the Bible was learned in the local church. My fifth and sixth grade Sunday school teacher, Mr. Robinson, taught me David and Goliath, taught me Samson, about Samson and Delilah, T talked to me about Daniel and the lion's den. I learned the Bible in the church. I, I preach from stories that I learned in Sunday school because I was in the house of God. I was in the church. My mentoring and discipleship took place in the local church. It took... Man, my mom and dad, all five kids, all serving God, all in full-time ministry. 
People say, I want that. Okay. Can you be committed to the local church? Well, I think that's a little extreme. Then stop saying you want what they want. They have. There's a process. And you gotta follow, you gotta, you gotta give yourself to the process. You gotta give yourself to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. This thing works together. We spur one another on, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So church attendance shouldn't be getting less and less. You should be getting more and more. You know, they just released, Barna just released some studies about church attendance, and they said this. They said that the average or the, uh, the, the, the church, the regular church attender goes to church two times a month. In 2022, the regular church, we have church every week. The regular church attender goes twice a month. 30 years ago, the regular church attender would go to church two times a week. Sundays, don't forget about Wednesday night Bible study. Right? Anybody remember Wednesday night Bible study? I mean, come on. Sunday night church? How about a Sunday night church? Man, you might as well just you know, stay in the car, have a potluck. We should have known something was wrong when they said potluck, right? Potluck? Like, you ever been to one of those things? And I some crazy stuff at some potlucks. <laughs> commitment, a commitment, a commitment to the local church. Two times a month? I was in youth ministry for years, and I talked to parents all the time about their kids. And, and, and this is what I hear a lot. Hey, pastor, little Johnny's just being a little devil. He's not listening. He's not minding. Chasing girls around the high school. He, and I, I, I didn't say this then. This is what I thought. I might say it now because I'm a little older, but I didn't say it then. I said, uh, I've got little Johnny for 90 minutes a week. Does he live at home? I just, just check him because you might want to start helping him, loving him, training him. And I would do anything I could. I, I can help you with the 90 minutes a week, but I would try to make it as much as possible. And if your kids, parents, if your kids are asking you to go to church, it is such, it's such a luxury. If they're asking you, please get out of bed and please come to church. Parents, if your kids don't want to go to church, tell them to get in the car and get to church. My buddy, he's a pastor now. He says his mom was a... His mom was a drug dealer. I'm like, wait, what? First time I heard him preach, he's telling this. He's like, you know my mom was a drug dealer. She drugged me to church every week of my life. I'm like, okay, that's a bad joke. That's a bad preacher joke. You know what's interesting? Sometimes we will spend more time, effort, and money on training our pets than we will our children. You ever, you ever gone to somebody's house and, 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 and this is you, it's okay. Like, do you, boo-boo. Like, have your, have your, like. The dog comes running up, jumps on you, starts licking your face, and then they're one of those people that's like, oh, yeah, when a dog licks you, it's when he's, he's kissing you. I'm like, well, first of all, I would not like a lick or a kiss. That's an unwanted advance. It's inappropriate. Get your dog off me. All right? And we'll send him to obedience school. We say, we want that golden retriever to stay outside or come inside. We want him to shake hands. We want him to roll over. And then you have your nine-year-old, and you're like, what do you want? 
Do you want to go to church? What? You got a nine-year-old that's running your house. Well, in today's day, we let them decide for themselves. Well, that is a really bad option. Why don't you let your dog decide for himself? Why can't he sleep in your bed? Some of you are like, he does. Stop. We all know. We all know. Why doesn't he relieve himself in your bed? How about that? You like that? No, we put so much. Listen, just think about the logic, though. Because there's waves of indoctrination that's sweeping through our culture that's saying just like, let them decide. Let them decide. Did you know that we were born into sin with a flesh and a sinful nature? And when you put the brain into neutral, we do not gravitate towards Jesus. We gravitate towards self, selfishness, and flesh. So we have to train our children to activate their mind and choose to serve the Lord. We gotta have a commitment to the local church. Our children have to be in the house of God. Biblical worldview, commitment to the local church. You know, last night at the movement conference was ending up and I was here for the last session. Pastor Cam preached a brilliant message. I was in the back and I have my boys and uh, seven and eight and they were back there and because I got to have them in the atmosphere. And they were doing bottle flips. And it was a super like reverent moment and all the kids are worshiping like hour nine of them like just, just worshiping the Lord. And my kids are like, <laughs> I'm like, guys, seriously, like, stop. They weren't perfectly behaved, but they were in the atmosphere. There's something about the atmosphere of a Bible-believing, Holy Spirit-filled church. There's something about the atmosphere. I got to close, but I want to give you just a couple more things uh, before we do. Research that I read about all of these new studies about Gen Z and the next generation. But they said this, children who attend church on a constant basis when they're young are much more likely to continue the practice when they're adults. A 2010 Child's Trend Review indicates that kids from religious backgrounds are less likely to be involved in violence, theft, and vandalism. They're also less likely to struggle with substance abuse problems, uh, their research found that when people attend church regularly, overall mental health and happiness increase and stress levels decrease. Uh, this is not a, it's not a solve all. I'm just saying there's some hope being offered. I got a buddy, he, he pastors, and, and he told me, he said, hey, you'll never believe this, Dustin. I got an atheist that comes to my church. I said, that's awesome, man. Have you got him saved yet? Because that'd be good. He's like, no, man, he just, he just comes. And so I asked him, like, why do you come to our church? You might be an atheist in the room. I've watched it all along. He says, I said, he said, why do you come? He goes, man, this world is so dark and so discouraging. He said, I just come for my weekly dose of hope. He says, I don't believe in the God you serve. I don't believe he exists, but I'm going to get into an environment where there's some positivity and some people hug my neck and tell me I can do it and I can live a good life. Atheists get it better than we do sometimes. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let me give you the last one and we'll close. Biblical worldview, foundation. 
a commitment to the local church, and then this is where I'm going to step on your toes for the last, like, four minutes, okay? This is this one, like, you're like, you already are. It's okay. It's okay. A consistent example of godliness. Okay. Now, this is tough. Because we often ask stuff of others that we do not require of ourselves. And if you're going to have a godly family, you can't just teach godly concepts. You have to live a godly, not, a godly life. And it, it's, it's not about, I, I want you to hear me, it's not about perfection. It's about recognizing when I've deviated from the standard of behavior that I should live at through my biblical worldview. I admit it. I apologize for it. I'm just, there's nothing more humiliating than having to repent to your kids. Right? Like, I'm the dad. Uh, you know, we go to church, all this, and say, hey, son, the way I talked to your mom was not right. And I need you to know that we don't do that in our family. That it's incorrect. And I want you to know, dad's sorry. If that's foreign to you, then you have to, again, rearrange some priorities. My bet would be that you're not perfect at home. And my concern is that our homes have become our hidden places instead of our safest places. The home should be the safest place for you, for your marriage, for your, for your kids. Whoever's in your, it should be an atmosphere of love. It should be an atmosphere of encouragement. It should be an, af, an atmosphere of affirmation. And before you elbow somebody, hold on, before you elbow somebody, what do we say at the beginning? It starts with, it starts with me. Don't worry about, I wish she would hear the, no, you, you, you just take it. You take it. You take it. I wish my mom and dad knew. No, stop, stop. Just, just take it. Congruent. It means the quality or state of agreeing, coinciding, or being in harmony. This is going to be really bold. Okay, just, just hear me on this. We need congruence. I would rather you be a hypocrite to your coworkers than to your family. Oh, you can walk into the office with your boss and all of a sudden not lose your temper. But you come into the bedroom with your kids and you start throwing stuff. I would rather you be a hypocrite at work and be an example at home. I'd rather you not be a hypocrite anywhere. Okay, just Before someone takes it out of context, a little meme. It matters. It matters. It matters what you run to. It matters what you struggle with. It matters the language that you use. In an atmosphere of love, there's no yelling. There's no screaming. There's no cussing. I know some of y'all are like, oh, well, that's how we express ourselves. Express yourself differently. There's a lot of words in the, in the dictionary. Why don't you express it differently? Why, do you have, why does it have to be with anger? And when you're so mad at your kid that the only thing that comes out is expletives, maybe you should stop that. I told you, I told you, see, just take the wall down. It's all right, it's all right, it's all right. Well, that's how we communicate. That's always, always communicated. Then let me ask you this. Are you getting the results that you want? If you are, forget what I said. If you're not, maybe you need to align some things. Because my family goals is not to survive. My family goal is for our families to be godly. Your home should be a sanctuary not a hiding place.
In loving atmospheres, we don't yell, scream, cuss, or call names. In loving atmospheres, we speak life and not death. In loving atmospheres, we forgive, we encourage, we affirm. And this is like, I know it's, it's kind of silly, but it's just so important. We hug. I know it's silly. Some of you are like, I'm not, a, I'm not like a hugger, okay? But my boys, they know my hug. They're going to feel the loving embrace of a father. I'm going to take guys in the room. They need, your kids need to see you lo- love and hug your wife. And they need to feel your hug of approval. This, this is important. This is important. Family goals. If I want a godly family, biblical worldview, commitment to the local church, but now it gets into the nitty gritty. This now it deals with me. You can't go tell your kid to not do something that he sees you do every night to alleviate your stress after work. Don't be mad at him when he's 18 and he sneaks out and gets drunk with his friends when he saw you for the past 22 years. I'm not trying to get too much in your business. This is, this, this is my point. I'm, I'm, I'm saying is that they notice more than you think that they do. So, oh man, my kids are so young, they don't even know we're fighting. No, they do. And I'll tell you why I know. I counseled your kids. I sit in offices with their broken hearts that wonder if you're going to stay together. That wonder why you don't approve of them. Because you're only doing what they do. I sit with them. I talk with them. Again, I love you. I love you. I love you. Smile break. Smile break. Smile break. It's so heavy. I know it's heavy. I know it's heavy. But I want to help you. I want to help you. This is why I said it's going to be a little different in this series. I, I just I want to pa- I want to pastor you. I want I want to help you. My dad's been in ministry for years and years and years. I've seen him counsel families and counsel. I, I started counseling families when I was 19 before I should have been counseling families. I'm 41 now. I've been preaching since I was 16 years old. I've been involved in all kinds of ministry. I've seen so much brokenness in families, but I've also seen really good godly families. And there's some things that you see, a common denominator that you see in almost every good godly family, a biblical worldview, a commitment to the local church, and a congruent lifestyle, consistent, a consistent godly example. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 is our last scripture. It says, so chosen by God for this new life of love. This is how the message translation. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, be even-tempered, content with second place. I'm working on that. Oh, I'm bad at that. I hate second place. I lost my son's seven-year-old soccer game yesterday. I, I could not sleep last night. I was his, I'm his coach, and I was, it wasn't his fault. He played his heart out. I'm like, it was a coaching decision. I was, a co- I was too fair. I let everybody play. Ugh. Continue with second place. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. If I was speaking to youth, I would say never go commando. Which means like without, go naked. I, I know you're not youth, so I won't say that to you, but... If you're going to only have one thing on, make sure you got the underwear of love. All right? Make sure you got the love briefs on. Do not be 
without it. We got a lot of Christians running around naked. He says, just make sure, if you're going to do anything, like you're not easily, you know, if you're not, you don't have an even temper and you can't get second place, can you at least put on love? How do we start with our families? Just let's start with love. Let's, let's get dressed in love. Let's get dressed in love. Let's make a decision. As for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want you to know this. It doesn't matter where you are today. No matter what the past has been, this is a judgment-free zone, right? So no matter what has been, let it be. But today, we're going to make a pivot, okay? Judgment-free zone. You may have been the worst dad in the history of dads, but today, you start brand new. You may have had 17 marriages. That's okay. Today, we're starting brand new. You may have been, made all kinds of mistakes. You may have been estranged from your parents. It's okay. We're starting today. As for me and my house we will serve the lord and it starts with me family goals starts with me it does not start with me sending this podcast to my dad and being like dad it starts with me getting the podcast and listening to it over and over and over again and saying god change me god change me god change me god change me and see what god does in your family i don't want any person to leave heavy discouraged, full of shame, or hindsight, hindsight's 2020, looking back and seeing what could have been, I want you to look ahead, because God loves you, He sees you, I love you, I'm praying for you, but I believe the best for you, you don't have to settle for the family that you've had, you don't have to settle for the goals that you've been hitting, we can set our sights high, we can have kids that serve God, we can have parents that come back to God, we can have young people that are raised up to be a witness on public school campuses, in colleges, and universities. Universities. We can have happy family times and holidays. It's attainable, I'm telling you. But we got we to get the main thing, the main thing. I got to look through the lens of the worldview, a commitment to the local church, and then I have to, I've got to have a consistent godly example. You know what's going to happen for some of us? We're going to go home, and you're going to like lose your temper tonight. And you're going to be like, um, yep, there we go, it's over. So now I'm going to help you. When you do that, this is the change recognize apologize and move on because you're not going to be perfect after today but we're going to recognize it we're going to have the humility to say hey that hey i'm sorry i let that slip i'm sorry i did that i'm sorry hey will you please forgive me we're going to apologize and we're going to move on and we're going to start the course correct to make sure that you hit the goal that you want for your family will you stand up with me all across this place i love you Smile break. Whew, feels a little heavy. It's okay. No, we got good days ahead. It's a good, God is so good. He's really, really, really good. He can take some of the worst situations. I'm looking across this room. There's testimonies of God's grace all across this room. Eddie, I keep on hearing you back there. Your testimony of God's grace, right? Except for the grace of God. What would have happened? I saw like Brian and Melissa right here. Like, except for the grace of God. Like, what, what could have happened? What would have happened? You, I could name off hundreds of people in this room. It's the grace of God. We're not perfect. We're saved by His grace. We're going to make a decision to run after Him. And today I'm asking everybody to make this decision. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I will serve the Lord.